Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. To you every day. And so Lord, as we even now prepare our hearts, as we sit, prepare to sit around the table, as we prepare to continue to worship you and to hear from your word, Lord, I ask that you would open our hearts, that you would open us to be able to hear what you have for us this morning, that we would recognize the areas, Lord, that we need to change, that we would recognize those places where we have found victory. Most of all, that we would recognize that you are the Lord of our life. I pray, Lord, that that choice would be the choice that we make today. Lord, I pray for hearts who aren't there yet. That they would recognize a need in their life that can't be filled with anything else. They've tried the stuff. They've tried the things. And there's only one relationship that fills that void. And so, Lord, I ask even now that you would open hearts and quiet the distractions of the world. That as we look at your word, as we sing your praises, as we sit around the table, that we would recognize who you are in our lives. The choice is ours. In your name we pray. Amen. Scripture this morning is from Hosea chapter 9. Hopefully you weren't too offended by the, the video. It's, it was ridiculous. It was pretty funny when that all came about because Pastor Dave found all these great Route 66 videos. And as we're working through, and if you weren't here, what, they, what we did is, or what he did, I didn't. I was just brand new. He would make, take those videos that someone else did, and then he would put his teaching in with it, and we would do it during Sunday school. Well, if you know where Hosea is, it's kind of like halfway in. So we'd already been doing it for a while, and all of a sudden, this video comes out, and it's just, it's ridiculous. It's hilarious, but it's ridiculous. And, uh, and he was kind of stuck because what do, I, do I show it? Do I not show it? And, uh, but the reality is if you watch that video, you realize if you've read Hosea, what's going on in that video is what's going on in, this, in Hosea's life. Obviously not with a car, but uh, the way that he was treated. So let's read chapter 9 of Hosea. Do not rejoice, Israel. Do not be jubilant like other nations, for you have been unfaithful to your God. You love the wages of a prostitute at, at every threshing floor. Threshing floors and wine presses will not feed the people. The new wine will fail them. They will not remain in the Lord's land. Ephraim will return to Egypt and eat unclean food in Assyria. They will not pour out wine offerings to the Lord, nor will their sacrifices please Him. Such sacrifices will be to them like the bread of mourners. All who eat them will be unclean. This food will be, like, will be for themselves. It will not come into the temple of the Lord." What, you, what will you do on the day of your appointed festivals, on the feast days of your Lord? Even if you escape from destruction, Egypt will gather them and Memphis will bury them. 
Their treasures of silver will be taken over by briars, and thorns will overrun their tents. The days of punishment are coming. The days of reckoning are at hand. Let Israel know this. Because your sins are so many and your hostility is so great, the prophet, prophet is considered a fool, the inspired person, a maniac. The prophet, along with my God, is a watchman over Ephraim, yet snares await him on all his paths. And hostility in the house of God, they have sunk deep into corruption, as in the days of Gibeath. God will remember their wickedness and punish them for their sins. When I found Israel, it was like finding grapes in the desert. When I saw your ancestors, it was like seeing early fruit on the fig tree. But when they came to Baal poor, they consecrated themselves to that shameful idol and became as vile as the thing they loved. May God had... oh, you want to go, Lou? Can't go yet. I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing, but I don't know what happened to... <laughs> I don't think the sign was up there today, bud. Yeah. Well, it is the Super Bowl. It is, yeah, it is the Super Bowl, so that's probably what happened. We're... We were more worried about the Super Bowl this week. No. So as yeah. So as we begin what is our Hallmark holiday month, right? For some of us, we're not all that impressed that uh, Valentine's Day runs in the middle of February. But hey, it's cold outside, and I don't know about you, but probably should find ourselves find someone to commit ourselves to, to work on relationships. If nothing more, it will at least stay warm, right? We have people in our lives and those relationships that we have, relationships with our spouses and our children, our family, our work friends, um, those who we come in contact. You know what? I need, a, I need this. I'm going to have trouble if I don't. I wanted to show you this. I like this. Um, but this reminds me of those circles that we have in our life, right? We have a bunch of different people in different spots in our life. And we're going to be looking at uh, what is love for the whole month of February. We're going to be talking about what does that look like according to God in our life. And so there are people, our family uh, and our friends, those are acquaintances, professional people, uh, those we might, might work with. And then finally, strangers. There are people in our lives that we come in contact with all the time. And so the question is, how do we love them? And are we doing it the way God would have us to love them? We're going to be talking about the four R's of relationship. I know you know the three R's, right? Reading, uh, reading writing, and arithmetic. You know those, right? These are four R's. These are our R's, by the way. Can you say that with me four times fast? Our R's? These are our R's. So we're going to spend uh, each week, we're going to spend some time looking at these four R's. Uh, responsibility, romance, reconciliation, and restoration. We're going to look at these. What's that? Well, we're going to look at each one, one a week. The red one is the one we're going to look at. So next week, if, if I do it right, Ken... Romance will be red and responsibility will be black, all right? I'm trying to set you up for, for success for Valentine's Day. If nobody else, for Ken. 
Good luck, Ken. <laughs> we'll be praying for you. <laughs> Anybody has any extra flowers, you can drop them off at Veronica's house while he's <laughs> and just put from Ken on them, all right? <laughs> trying to help you out, Ken. I mean, I'd like I know. I know. I knew you would. I'm not even opposed to <laughs> <laughs> You can just send a bill to whatever uh, Ken's house is. <laughs> So we're going to be spending the month of February in the minor prophet Hosea. And just so you know, you'll hear in Scripture that there are major and minor prophets. You need to understand that minor does not mean it's, not less, it's less important. It means it's less in size. So the book was shorter. So there's major prophets, um, the ones that are in the beginning, and then the minor prophets are a bunch of these little uh, books. And uh, so Hosea is one of those little books and I'm hoping that if you've read, anybody ever read any of Hosea or have any clue what's going on in Hosea? And I, ho- I hope, I mean, I hope you got a sense of what's going on. It's kind of an odd book in Scripture. It's an odd book because like the countdown showed, it's, it's pretty intriguing. See, the overview of the book is this. God calls Hosea, the prophet Hosea, to to go find a wife. And it says his wife will be a prostitute. Now, I don't know, um, there's, this, there's this challenge between, uh, there's a couple thought processes. Is, was she a prostitute first, or did she become a prostitute? I don't know. But either way, God says to Hosea, I want you to go find yourself a wife who you know full well is going to leave you, who's going to be unfaithful and walk away. And then I want you to, you know what happens in the book? I want you to go get her. And then you know what's going to happen? She's going to run away again. I want you to go get her. And at one point, he pays what, he would, what you would pay for a slave to get his wife back. He has to pay money to go get her, to get her out of slavery. Kind of an interesting thought process. And on the surface, you might think that's really weird uh, for God to do that. Why would God ask someone to marry someone who wouldn't be faithful? Why would God ask someone to go and do this? It sounds really awkward and weird. Oh, and I forgot to tell you about the kids. You know the kids? They have three kids. And they got terrible names. Jezreel, which was uh, a place that they were going to... which meant that they were going to uh, be destroyed. They would be destroyed in war. Israel would be destroyed. The, the second child, Loami, which means not my people. God said, name, this, name your kid not my people. And then they got Lora, uh, I got them backwards. Lorama, uh, which means not loved. How would you like to have that name? Hey, not loved, come to the kitchen, right? It's kind of ridiculous as we look at the surface, but... Further in, we begin to understand what God is saying to God's people. Mind you, they're prosperous at this time. Things are going pretty good for them. And Hosea is coming into this uh, situation where things aren't all bad. Things aren't all bad with the economy and things are moving forward. But there is one problem in 
uh, Hosea's time. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, these people were all like religious. Like they all went to Christmas and Easter service. Wow, no one called me out. They didn't have Christmas and Easter service, just giving you a heads up. This was before Christmas and Easter service, just telling you. What's that? Oh, I was try- I was- it was an example, but I was trying to see if anybody was awake. I honestly thought you were talking about somebody today. Oh, Kenny, I would never connect it to today. That's silly. <laughs> they were religious, and here's what they did. They knew who God was. And they knew that they were prosperous because God had blessed their lives. But you know what they did? They put God here, and they had the Baals, which would have been idol worship. And they put them all together. They mixed them up. I'm, all, I'm like way behind. I got to show you this. There, thank you. That's what I wanted to show you. I know you're really impressed. They, they took their religion and they mixed it in this bowl. They took some God and they followed that. But you know what else they took? They took some Baal worship and they followed that. And any other worship or no worship or whatever they wanted to do, they put it in a bowl. And they began to put these things together and that became their religion. And they began to do these things just because, out of like tradition, out of right. When I was in Haiti, they did this. This is what they do in Haiti. They take what was originally Catholicism. They, they actually call them Baptists. Uh, but they mix uh, all these different religions together. And, any, and it's anything goes for anybody. And it, it, there's no rules or regulations. They just add in or take out as much God as you want. So if you want a little more God on this side than this side, it's okay. If you guys want no God, we don't care. Just as long as you're doing this. Did you ever hear of a higher power thing? Yeah, does that sound familiar, Ken? Yeah. Uh, sounds to be the religion of today, does it not? We'll just pick a higher power. It doesn't matter who that higher power is or what that higher power is about. Just pick a higher power. Someone higher than you. Interesting concept. But that's what was going on here. They just picked and choose their religious uh, time of that day and they, they would just do what they wanted to do. And God had had enough. And he began with this, Hosea, go get yourself a prostitute and marry this woman. And not, do you see why? God was reminding the Israelites that they were just like that prostitute, cheating on God. Sure, they had some God, and they loved the blessings that God gave them, right? They loved those blessings. Thank you, God, for taking care of my needs over and above and above and above and above and above. Sound a little bit familiar? Sound like something we might be living in today? We love the blessings that God gives us. We surely don't like to be pruned like that vine so that we can grow more fruit. Now i got to go backwards three because that's where I want to be. Sorry, i got one of them out of, out of whack somehow. 
That scripture that I was talking about at communion says, listen, every branch in me that uh, does not bear fruit will be trimmed off. Why? So we can prune back those things that don't matter. And God's saying, listen, I want you to take those things of your life that are not good for you, those things that take you away from me, those idols that you have in front of you, and remove them so I can be number one in your life. See, these people were going through the motions. They were going through the motions. They got up every Sunday morning. They came to church. They sat in their spot. Right? Thank you for not sitting in my spot. They sat in their spot because it's their spot. They said their three good mornings, shook three hands, right? Went back through the line, got back out, and went right back to doing their own thing. And God said, listen, and he says it in the whole book. Listen, I'm about running out of patience with you. At some point, you have to take responsibility for your faith. And the first thing you have to do is you have to acknowledge that. You have to acknowledge that, listen, God, I don't have it figured out, and I need to be responsible for my faith. Oh, we're back to the mixing bowl. Yay. Sorry, i got to get... I think what happened is the mixing bowl has two, two illustrations in one picture. Yeah. What do you guys think of that? I do. Well, they mixed that bowl. Did you ever have, Steve Barnett's not here to defend himself, did you ever have Steve Barnett's cookies? No? Steve made us cookies one time for youth group. You know what Steve did to us? He made us chocolate chip cookies, beautiful looking. I, I didn't even know Steve, Sarah might have made them. I might be the truth. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think you would, but they were beautiful looking chocolate chip cookies and they were full of salt. Steve replaced the sugar with salt. For as good as they looked, they tasted awful because they had no sugar and all salt. They were awful. And then you know what he did worse than that? He made some good ones too. And he mixed them all together. And he's like, here, go make a choice. Rude. How about ruining my cookies? See, we like to make choices until it gets harder to make those choices, right? We love to eat cookies until we have to make a choice that eat a salt cookie. And I think when Steve did it, he only said, he said oh, we could only have one cookie. So if you made a mistake, he didn't get a good one. And so it is with our faith. See, we want to acknowledge God in some things. And we ignore Him in others. And every time we ignore Him and His call and His direction in our life, it becomes an idol. For the Israelites in Hosea's time, there were idols, and it was, they called them the Baals. Yeah, not those Baals, sorry. <laughs> Spelled differently, Veronica, you're off the hook. I wanted to find an idol that really 
was maybe a little bit more uh, our time. <laughs> I didn't say it, Larry. You're, you're if you look at your Connect card, I just want, want real quick. Uh, number two says, I need to get rid of something so I can better serve God. I challenge you at this moment to write your bales on there. I don't care if you don't turn it in. I don't care if you don't turn it in. I'd rather you kept it in your Bible and then you'd at least know what your bail was. We have to acknowledge those areas in our life. See, because what happens is the holier we get, the more despicable it becomes that there could be a spot in our life that isn't up to par with God. And so we begin to like say, well, we whitewash all those things that we just, it's just a car. I can't help it that I like to wash my car and to make it shine and drive it fast. And it's just a car. But it quickly becomes more than just a car. That doesn't mean everybody who has a car, all of us, right? Everybody who has a car has, a, has an idol. But it's when we begin to put that thing in front of God. When we begin to begin to realize that I don't have time or as much time for God because I need to take care of this. And I don't, I'm not meaning Sunday morning because there's a lot of more ministry done more than Sunday morning, right? I hope, I know. But you first have to acknowledge what that is. And you have to take responsibility for that thing in your life that has become an idol. And see, I don't think it always, it's not like this big idol just pops up in front of us. It creeps in into our lives. And I believe that's how Satan works. It creeps in and it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And it could be that it's something good that we've put in front of God. Once you know what it is, then you got to work to change it. Because God says, listen, uh, even if you escape destruction now, things are going to happen. He uses an illustration with Hosea. He says, the briars of life will begin to entangle you. Not the briar sun either. The briars of life. The briars of life are going to entangle you. And see, you know, that all happens with one string and then another string and then another string and then another string, right? And pretty soon there's so many things that have pulled you so far from God that God is just this idea that other people are able to uh, have in their life that you don't. And He's not real and alive in your own life. We're called to get rid of those things that's our responsibility as a believer in Christ. If you call yourself a believer in Christ and you know full well that this is, needs to be out of my life and you choose not to, woe is you. The scripture in verse uh, 6 through 9, it says things are going to happen. Just because God doesn't do anything now doesn't mean he doesn't know about it. I think sometimes that's what happens, right? We're like... Oh, I did this, and oh, I didn't get punished. Still getting blessed. Oh, going to slide a little over, right? Pretty soon we're way over by the door. And lightning didn't hit us. And we somehow believe that we're okay over there. 
and we're so far out of God's will. And that's what the Israelites were doing. It wasn't like they purposely said, ah, heck with God, we're going to give them 50% of our worship and the other. No, they just kind of kept sliding over, right? The, the new church, the new Baal church down the road was pretty cool, and they were having a chili cook-off, I don't know, right? <laughs> they, were having, they were doing something, right? And, it was, and so they, they just kept sliding over, sliding over, further and further away from the will of God. So far that it says in verse 7, the prophet Hosea was considered a fool. The prophet was considered a fool. Things were so backwards that the prophet who came from God, who was speaking God's words, was considered to be the fool. And the other guy was a maniac. Do you remember hearing that? He was considered, that didn't make him a maniac, and it didn't make the prophet a fool. But in the world's eyes, they got so far from where, understanding where they were that they thought the prophet was a fool. Why would this fool marry a prostitute knowing full well, and why would God ever do that? That's where they were, right? Why would we listen to this guy, Hosea? He's a fool for marrying this prostitute. Oh, maybe I should actually show you the verse that I was thinking about. Kind of behind today. It says, consider an inspired man a maniac. If you don't acknowledge it and you don't change it, you will become it. And you know what? We're really good at telling our kids not to buckle the peer pressure. Are we not? We're really good at that. We, we're good at telling our kids, I can remember, don't do this. Don't do this because your friends are doing this. And we're really good at telling people how to do things different or better. And we're not nearly as good at doing it on our own. We run into those people in our lives that have some kind of influence over us, and we run into that peer pressure, and we buckle. We buckle. November, uh, November. Numbers uh, 32-23 reminds us. Be sure that your sin will find you out. This is, a, this is at the... This uh, scripture is at the end of the story when they're preparing uh, to go to the promised land. So in Numbers, they're moving. God's people are moving. The Israelites are moving. And the Gadites and the Reubenites, they, they both have humongous um, flocks of animals. And so when they get to the river, they see all this green grass where they've been. This is some good grass, and i got a lot of flocks, and I need to feed those flocks. And so I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to just hang back and stay on this side of the river. Not what God told them to do, right? We'll hang back and feed our flocks over here and it'll be okay. And Moses said, listen, we're going to need to make a deal. And here's the deal. The deal is this. You need to take your men and lead this group of Israelites into the promised land. That's your duty. That's your duty. And if you don't, your sin will find you out. He says, 
And those, the Gadites and the Reubenites left their families and they made a promise, an oath, that said they would leave their families, their children, and their flocks on one side of the river and they would go and fight for the Israelites to get the promised land and then come back. And it says they would not come back until they had gotten that land. And Moses reminds them in the process of that, be sure your sin will find you out. If you don't go with us, God will know. To each of us has a responsibility for our faith. Uh, there's a great line that you've heard a million times that nobody, no believer in Christ has, um, has, there's not grandparents involved in that, right? We all have to make that decision for ourselves. We all have a choice to make about our faith. And sometimes we like to believe that we aren't making a choice when we say no. The reality is that is a choice. We're making a choice. We're making a choice to follow Jesus or to follow the Baals. I'm going to tell you about the second best choice I ever made. Maybe I'll tell you. <laughs> I can't look at my wife. I got to stay away from her. Um, Second best choice I ever made, 30 years ago tomorrow. I was 19. She was nine, just so you guys know. <laughs> I can remember being 19, asking myself this question. What the heck am I doing? I, used, I can remember talking to my dog that morning about getting married. He gave me a lot of advice. Rub my ear here, he said. You know? <laughs> but I realized 30 years ago tomorrow that, that marriage was a choice from day one. And I didn't understand that marriage would continue to be a choice even today. I didn't realize, I didn't understand how that all worked. So... I thought, this is a crazy choice. And then when I thought about, till death do we part, holy cow, that's a long time. Am I making the right choice? Right? Because that's a long time. And I look back and I'm like, wow. I had no idea where God would bring us or take us or move us. But I know I made the second best choice in my life. And honestly, there's only one better. And that was made when I was a teenager. And I made that choice to follow Jesus with all that I had. Now I can tell you guys that I did some of the stuff that the Israelites did in Hosea. And honestly, still continue to do some of those things, right? Because that's who we are, broken, busted up, messed up people. But that choice was made to follow Jesus and I got to tell you that he hasn't let me down in that yet. And I promise that he won't. His, it reminds me in Scripture, his faithfulness continues on and on and on and on and on. And if you haven't made that choice or given God a choice or a chance in your life, I encourage you to try that. I'd love to spend some time talking to you about that. See, because some choices 
are bigger than 30 years. Some choices are eternity. And when I made that decision to follow Christ, that changed my eternity. And just so you know, you can know all about Jesus, but if you haven't given him your heart, you're no better off. If you didn't make him first in your life, he's last in your life. But it's your choice. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning and and we are thankful for your sacrifice. Your sacrifice that changed our lives, that made things that were dark and gloomy alive and well. You brought life into brokenness. You took our hearts, Lord, who was dark, and you made it light. We thank you so, Lord, for the way that you have continued to work in our lives. Lord, I pray for anyone here today who hasn't made that decision to follow after you. Lord, they have a chance to change their life in a very big way today. They have a chance to make February 2nd, 2020 the best choice of their life. And Lord, I pray that you would open their hearts and you would challenge their faith And Lord, you would begin to move them even now that we might have a chance to talk about that and pray over that. In your name we pray. Amen. Now now is the time today when you can offer your life to Jesus. God offers you forgiveness through Jesus and eternal life with him. The responsibility to God for each of us is to make our choice. Don't delay. Become a branch of the one true vine. Make your choice today. Stand and sing with us.